Welcome to the Design the Future podcast, where we talk with women leading the way toward the better built world. Design the Future is hosted by me, Lindsay Baker, with Kira Gould. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Design the Future podcast. It's good to be with you. This is Lindsay. And this is Kira. Yeah. Kira, how are you doing? How's life? I am doing well. I am enjoying all the rain and the thunder. (laughs) The thunder, right? I know. It's wild. It's been um, just such a bizarre time in California and obviously heartbreaking and difficult for lots of people. But for many of us, for the rest of us, it's also just so strange the way that our weather is going right now. I feel bad telling people how, how's, I guess what it is, is that, you know, anytime we get thunder and lightning, I sort of jump and I'm from the South. And so like <laughs> thunder and lightning, like should not scare me, but I'm just, and it, and it doesn't scare me. It's just so bizarre to have thunder and lightning in California. Yep. It, we, don't, we don't get it. That's <laughs> so right. That's right. We're you, all just the thing that is, you know, the thing that you can feel and hear that way to be an earthquake, right? <laughs> yeah. like not thunder. I'm from exactly. the West, as you know, so I love thunder and lightning and I'm so I'm really enjoying the very unusual conditions we're having. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I know it's it and it is it's really wonderful to get all the rain and to know that that is going to help us get through and keep us away from the droughts. So yeah, I know, but wild times in California, I have just been trying to stay off the road. I, Oh yeah. It's just, and again, it's not because I don't know how to drive in rain. I do, but it's um, nobody else does a and B there are potholes (laughs) everywhere and flooding everywhere. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I hope, I hope you're safe. I hope your car is safe. <laughs> we, yeah, good yeah. reasons to stay indoors. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, it's that it's that time. It reminds me of when I first moved to California. I moved in 2007, and we had like a lot of rain that year, and a couple of years after that, and I don't know. Somehow, it's just it's vaguely nostalgic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. No, the, the year seems to be picking up. Um, I'm, you know. I'm starting to feel some excitement about 2023. So much going on. Um, Indeed. It's off to the races. I feel like all my clients and all of the groups that I work with are, the acceleration has, is underway. It's very, lots going on, which is great. It totally is. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, a lot of it, I, what I'm starting to hear about more and more is from all different sort of angles is the the impact of the Inflation Reduction Act funding and how that's mm-hmm. sort of shifting people's work, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. Um, and, you know, certainly giving like some energy, some wind in our sails on a lot of the decarbonization stuff. So it's yep. very, yeah, it's exciting. And also um, I feel for folks that are kind yes. of trying to figure that out. It is exciting. You know, all the IRA, a lot of the conversations that I'm hearing have a lot to do with, um, it's it's great that this is happening, but it's also a lot of pressure on people because the the need to be able to measure things properly has never Mm. been greater, right? And being able to qualify for certain parts of that, um, those those bits of funding are going to relate a lot to how things are being measured. And so there's a huge scramble, I think, to figure out what are the right 
mechanisms for for everything we're trying to measure um and that is good that is that is part of the progress that we're looking for um but it is also a huge scramble yeah and it feels like i think a necessary part of growing up um i feel like we've talked about this recently on the pod but in case folks haven't been tuning in it's going to be a really important year and you know really decade for this question of how how we how we measure i mean esg you know, like in, in one way, you could put it that way, that, that we're trying to figure out how we actually measure uh, the impacts that businesses and buildings and firms and products have uh, on the environment and our social fabric, et cetera. All of that measurement stuff has to grow up. We used to be, we've been doing this, you know, I think for 20 years, mm-hmm. but we always, it was kind of, no one really cared. That's right. <laughs> and now I think we're finally getting to this point where um, if we're being built into such, you know, important uh, systems of, of, you know, regulation and markets and all of that, we have to get really good at it. So um, it's it's an important time. And actually, that is a fantastic way to transition to our yep. guest for today. Um, oh, gosh, so much to talk about in the realm of, of measurement and data and all of the science and hard work that goes behind that. Um, but yeah, today we have Davida Herzl with us from Aklama. Welcome, Davida. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's really wonderful to be here. Oh, thank you. We're so excited to have you. So for those that don't know Davida, just a quick um, quick bio. Davida Herzl is the co-founder and CEO of Aklama, where she leads a diverse team pioneering an entirely new way to diagnose the health of our air and track climate changing pollution. A public benefit corporation, Aklama measures air pollution and greenhouse gases at unprecedented scales and with block by block resolution. Aklama Pro, the company's enterprise software, translates billions of scientific measurements into analytics for companies, governments, and communities to reduce emissions, improve public health, and deliver clean air for all. Today, Aklama serves the world's top public companies in technology, energy, and finance, as well as national, state, and local governments implementing leading-edge climate policies. The company operates the largest mobile sensor network on Earth, creating data sets of hyper-local greenhouse gas levels and air pollution never before available. And I will say, I've known Aklama, I've known Aklama and Davida for a number of years, and just the way that they have navigated to building such an incredibly powerful platform, but also a really cool team in the way that the team sort of thinks about its work and the impact that it can have on communities and on our planet. It's just really inspiring. So I think it's, I'm just very excited that you all get to hear a little bit from Davida today. Um, And just to start off, Davida, why don't you tell us a little bit about your path? How did you get involved in buildings and climate and sustainability and tech and all of that, like just give us your story. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Lindsay. And it has been quite a journey. And I, you know, like you uh, and Kira were saying earlier, 2023 is a big transformative year. And uh, it really feels like we've been building for this moment for the last decade um, plus. And, um, you know, I got into sustainability and climate change, really, you know, none of these things, when you make a decision to build a company like Aklama, these things don't just 
happen overnight. It's the buildup of a lifetime of experience. And, you know, I had grown up and spent my entire childhood um, in business. My parents were both entrepreneurs. Um, and every weekend we were in nature, camping, hiking. Um, and so I lived at the nexus of business and uh, and the outdoors and and real appreciation for for nature. And when I um, was in law school, I was really starting to see um, not just increased awareness about climate change, but I was really having grown up in the business I grew up in, which was in supply chains. I felt like I had a front row seat um, to the impacts that we were having on the planet. And I couldn't um, understand why it wasn't the only thing that we were talking about, right? Um, the loss of biodiversity, the fundamental um, uh, change in the health of the atmosphere um, that protects us. Um, and, uh, and when I was in law school, I really went deep on what are the laws? What what is what is the context in which all of these decisions are being made uh, with regards to air regulation and regulation of climate uh, changing emissions? And I, you know, I discovered I went deep on the Clean Air Act. I went deep on on a lot of uh, different um, uh, laws in the United States and around the world. And um, and what's so fascinating about those laws is that they require measurement. Um, and there's a whole methodology that gets referred to as reference methodology that is established by the Clean Air Act. Um, and the technology that's been used to implement the Clean Air Act really hadn't hasn't really changed since the passage of the Clean Air Act. I think last year was, you know, I think it was the 50th anniversary last year of the Clean Air Act. And I realized, you know, um, Silicon Valley and the technology community is not paying attention uh, to how important this is. And here we are, you know, this was a little bit over a decade ago and, you know, cloud computing and, uh, you know, there was this thing called fog computing. This idea of connecting sensors to the internet was really starting to take hold in academia. And, um, and I just saw, I just, I could not let go of this idea of measurement and that there are many, many things that are going to fundamentally, you know, enable us to, that are necessary uh, to enable us to meet the climate crisis. But I was convinced that really high quality, scientific, very distributed measurement of not just air pollution, but toxics and uh, greenhouse gases was going to be absolutely critical. And so I went, we, I went out, my co-founders and I went out, my team and I, I have team members, Lindsay, that you met a decade ago that have been with me every step of the way. Um, we went out and said, let's, we're going to figure this out. Um, and so we went on this somewhat lonely journey for many, many years where there was no funding. Um, and, uh, and this is a really hard tech challenge, um, deep tech challenge that requires policy and scientific validation. Um, but we were really, really determined to create that data and measurement infrastructure to understand in some ways two really simple things. Where is pollution coming from? And who is it impacting, right? Today, we have very limited measurement um, because the technology historically has been so expensive, so difficult to deploy. You end up with a few stations, you know, across an entire region. Um, but ACMA has shown that pollution varies block to block up to 800%. And so a few stationary sensors, even a lot of stationary sensors aren't enough. 
Um, and so uh, fast forward um, a decade and, and an incredible journey that has included companies like Google, the federal government, partnerships with the EPA, partnerships with CARB and with major utilities. And today, um, Acclima is the only company in the world that can measure and analyze um, all of the criteria air pollutants, greenhouse gases and toxics not just block by block, but literally down to the source, down to the gas leak. Um, and at the scale of entire cities, entire states, um, you know, thus last year we announced that we've been adopted by the entire state of New York uh, to generate the data to help them implement the boldest piece of climate legislation in the country. So it's been a very long road, but we are so proud of the technology, of the work that we're doing. Um, and I think the moment right now that really requires um, mobilization at scale of technologies like ours um, to, to really, you know, make a difference in this critical window. It's nerve wracking um, that it is that we have a we have a decade here to really move the needle um, after, you know, 100 years of, of very limited action and people not even, you know, having the conversation. But it's inspiring to see that we have the capacity to mobilize so massively. Um, and I'm really excited to prove that if we all work together, we can do this. Davida, I love this. It is so inspiring. And I think our listeners, I'm certain will agree with me. We're, you know, as most of our listeners are people who have been frustrated by how slow the progress has been. And this really represents an exciting shift, I think, um, and some, you know, the promise for real movement coming up. Yeah. Before we get into more details about what what Aklama and um, what you guys are really doing, I would love I want to ask you one question though that's a really a little bit more geared toward maybe some of our younger listeners. Mm -hmm. if, if you know, for people that might be really interested in this realm that you're describing, I wonder if you could say a little bit about what they should be good at or interested in if they were interested in following a similar path. Yeah, um, I I think you know. I, I love talking about entrepreneurship. Um, I love, uh, you know, the challenges and the opportunity for growth for yourself and your teams that building companies um, really, really presents us, right? And I think what I've really, um, part of our success in getting this far and, and, and really walking that long journey is that it's all about um, building the right team around you and really understanding, um, you know, I think what's so beautiful and exciting about uh, the, the, the challenges and opportunities faced by the next generation is the capacity to really collaborate, to come together, to find common ground. And that capacity is critical to building the companies of the future. Because leading a company, especially one that's solving really difficult problems, is, is not about you. Um, it's a service mindset. And, you know, I, uh, I've had a lot of younger entrepreneurs um, ask me, or folks that are looking at getting into entrepreneurship ask me, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not an engineer. Um, how do we solve this? How do I, how do I solve this problem? And I'm not a scientist, I'm not an engineer, um, but you can bring those incredible people around you. Uh, and um, that's what I've just been, you know, so inspired by just the capacity of our team to solve these problems. And you know, it's it's really about um, confronting 
yourself and being open to your strengths and your weaknesses and and everything in between. Um, and I think what's what's so amazing about the entrepreneurial journey is that fundamentally, if you embrace growth and you live it, you breathe it, um, and you recognize that you are an evolving uh, person and human and that so is your entire team, um, it enables you to confront your fears and overcome and do so much. I'm, you know, I've seen people in my company and our company just completely transform. They are not the same people that we met, you know, when we started down this road. Um, and uh, and I think at the end of the day, when when you look back at, you know, how did I spend my time and and what impact did I have? Um, being able to say that 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 you know you were surrounded by incredible people who who really worked with you uh, to deliver on that vision is um, is pretty is a gift. Um, so I think. I think people should jump in and, uh, and, and build, we need builders right now. Absolutely. That's wonderful advice. Um, thank you for that. You started to tell us a little bit about Acclima and your journey with the company. Um, and I, I would like to open this up a little bit if you, for you to talk about sort of what the company is doing today, and maybe even if there's a project or something that specifically that you're working on that you'd like listeners to know about. Sure. Um, so, so the reason that you know, we started Acclam. I think I'm I'm speaking to folks that deeply understand this, that climate change is the most pressing issue of our time. And what's amazing about um, working in the climate space is that there's so many other um, intersecting problems, right, that, that addressing climate change addresses at the same time. Uh, things like environmental justice um, or, you know, uh, infrastructure. Um, and our data is a really critical part of the solution because transparency into sources of emissions, into their impacts, ensures not only accountability, but it also enables actors across society to take informed climate action. And so to take a very, very sort of tactical view of what I mean with that, um, I can speak to the example of our work in the state of New York. So several years ago, um, the state of New York passed a very bold climate law, um, thanks to the work of advocates and environmental justice leaders and legislators and political leaders in the state called the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Um, it was the boldest piece of climate legislation in the country, requires very aggressive emissions reductions. And what's really unique about the law is that it actually requires a data-driven approach. Um, data-driven in terms of hyperlocal measurement. So really understanding at the, you know, block by block, hyperlocal scale, where are emissions coming from? Who is being impacted? Um, it requires that 40% of the dollars, not the benefits, the dollars go into those communities where we see the highest levels of pollution burden um, and uh, other burdens. So it has to go towards environmental justice communities. Um, and it has an extremely aggressive timeline. And so what ACLMA is doing right now, so we announced in July uh, that we were selected to provide um, mapping across the state. We are mapping across 10 regions, and by regions, I mean the entire city of New York. I mean all of Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany, um, to measure all the criteria pollutants, all greenhouse gases, including methane and toxics. Um, and then that data uh, is going to be used to really identify where are the problems, where do we target investments, where do those problems intersect with environmental justice communities, and be able to 
to see over time, are we having an impact? Are we driving those reductions? That approach, you know, both that intersection of this very bold law with technology and data to really drive implementation, that's never been done before. Um, and so we're providing the state, um, uh, uh, our software, which visualizes and shows, you know, billions of measurements coming through the network um, to really drive uh, decision making and design of emissions reductions. It's really um, an incredible and unprecedented effort and scale. Um, we've been doing a lot of similar work here in the state of California um, through a law called AB 617. You know, here in the Bay Area, for example, we've deployed across the entire Bay. But this effort in New York is really the first of its kind um, in really just directly connecting, you know, policy, data, investment, action, and accountability this way. It's super exciting and thrilling. And what's super exciting about this is that, you know, Justice 40 and at the federal level, we're seeing, you know, a lot of very, very similar programs inspired by the work in New York. So it's an incredible moment. That is really exciting. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the insights that you're that you're uh, gathering from the data that you've collected so far. Uh, there's so many. Um, I think <laughs> what's I think what is um, I always talk about this. Like I feel like we have like Acoma gives us X-ray vision, and if only everybody could wear the goggles, these you know X-ray goggles that help us see pollution at this really um, granular level. If you could, if you could put on the Acoma X-ray goggles um, and look out your window, you would see that there are emissions coming from everywhere, um, and uh, and that so many of them are just right under our noses, and that we are largely not only because they're invisible, but because they haven't been measured before. Um, we really haven't had this understanding of sort of what those patterns of pollution are. But, you know, just as an example, I mean, we look at, you know, the amount of uh, methane gets a lot of attention uh, when it comes to greenhouse gases and climate. And, um, and one of the biggest gaps when it comes to methane uh, is that all of the models that talk about sort of the, you know, the, the levels of methane in the atmosphere are not informed by measurement. These are, um, you know, there's there's um, models that sort of build out are built out based on emissions factors, but those emissions factors have never been ground truthed with real data. There's some major studies that have come out of um, EPA that are showing yes, there's a huge gap between what we think emissions are and what they actually are, and our data is showing exactly that. Um, we can see, you know, methane coming from all of the gas leaks. There are there are hundreds and hundreds of gas leaks that you know. Not this isn't just New York. This is the whole nation. Hundreds, thousands of gas leaks that are just pouring methane into the atmosphere on a continuous basis, and we're completely blind to it. Um, once you have the data, you know you can say, okay, yes, there may be hundreds of leaks, but now we understand them. We can see how they're changing over time. Um, methane uh, are, are if you could see the ground um, and sort of put those those goggles on and look out at you know an urban landscape, it looks like the ground is breathing methane because the methane is coming out of all of that pipeline infrastructure, and it's not constant. It's it's what we call stochastic. It depends on the pressure. It depends on a lot of different things. 
But I think the amount of methane emissions, if people, if people saw the data, which we will be sharing um, more broadly, and it's not just leaks, it's, you know, wastewater treatment facilities, it's, um, it's sewage. Um, once you see the data, it's not hard to understand why we're in a climate crisis. But what is amazing about the data is that once you know, yes, in the first few years, it's going to be a lot of work to, to take care of all of this. But once you know, you can also see, are we having an impact? Are we making a difference? And I have to tell you, one of the most rewarding things in my in our work is being able to see, okay, you know, both the short term and the long term um, impacts of our data, but in the immediate term, being able to call it in and get it fixed and not see those methane emissions anymore. It's the most rewarding thing. Um, I feel like I'm playing Pac-Man with our, with our data, but, you know, there's just, there's so much um, that, you know, we're excited to to start to share with with the public um, the impacts of transportation. Just yesterday, um, we published a major story on our CO2 data uh, coming out of transportation infrastructure, the first time that CO2 has directly been measured at this scale. Um, it's really powerful when when you have the information and, and it can guide you. So lots, lots, lots to come on that. This is so cool. I'm just so excited about all of the data. It's just like amazing that all the different things that you can do with it and um and and what happens next. And I think part of the fun has been watching Aklama kind of go from having this data set and as you said, sort of knowing the power of the data into this evolution that I've been watching with with great delight um, in, of your work in the policy sphere. So um, can, can you tell us a little bit about how you have sort of become a bigger part of, of policy work, what you've been up to in the realm of policy recently and you know what you're excited about there? Yeah, so I, we've been involved in policy across a number of fronts. I mean, I think that's what's so unique about climate tech. We could come up with the most exciting breakthrough technology in the world. Um, but it, if it doesn't have the policy context that enables it to be utilized, to exist, to actually, you know, inform uh, big decisions like infrastructure decisions, then then it's there's a there's a, there's a big disconnect there. And so we have been very involved. Um, one of the tools that we've built into ACMA Pro um, is not just integration of the pollution data, but we also integrate contextual data down to the census block group. Um, it's called the census block. It's called the Community Impact and Investment Index. And what that enables us to do is to really see the intersection of our pollution data with data about vulnerable communities, climate risk, um, where are the folks that are already uh, being impacted by other social injustices. And so um, what that those tools help us do is to really support um, a lot of policy efforts across the country to prioritize um, environmental justice and to integrate environmental justice into decision making. And one of the big um, uh, uh, gaps on that front has been uh, the capacity to actually understand and see hyperlocal pollution burden. Because, you know, just here in the Bay Area, for example, um, a very high level statistic out of our data, but people of color are exposed to up to 55% more energy. Um, than white populations. Um, people living uh, two times below the poverty threshold are exposed to up to 30% more NO2 than those living above it. 
And so when we talk about sort of just implementation and, you know, ensuring that climate action is not just reducing emissions, but at the same time, you know, improving living conditions and quality of life, air is the most fundamental thing that connects us all, um, this kind of data becomes really important. And so whether it is our work on the CLCPA in New York, um, whether it is uh, the work that we've been doing to engage on the IRA um, and uh, the IIJA that really integrates all of these kinds of factors, um, we've really been wanting to show this isn't an impossible thing anymore. The data is here. The technology is here. Um, let's uh, let's really make this happen. Um, you know, here in the Bay Area, for example, we partnered with the Bay Area Quality Management District um, to measure air pollution and greenhouse gases across 5,000 square miles, 101 cities. Um, and now we're working with cities and local governments and state governments uh, to use that data to really design local and regional approaches to, to protecting the public and reducing emissions. So it's been a really exciting period uh, in ACLIMA's trajectory. Um, um, and there's a there's a ton more policy work ahead. Oh man, it's so exciting! It just it's just it's like you're unlocking all of these doors and opening them, and there's all this stuff behind to do, and so much <laughs> possibility. Um, well, so given that at least from where I sit, you are really just getting started. I want to ask the question: um, What are you most proud of so far that you've accomplished in your work life? Mm. Um, I am, you know, Lindsay, I am really, really proud of the fact that we kept pushing forward in the early days, despite all the yeah. challenges, despite everybody telling us we were completely crazy, mm -hmm. despite people telling us that we weren't going to be able to do it. Um, our uh, presence in the space uh, and in Silicon Valley um, really started at a crazy time the last 10 years have been you know um you've been hearing the news about sort of the the shift in the tech economy but you know the some of the biggest years of 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 growth and wealth creation and you know airbnb uber all of the sort of uh unicorns um at a moment when investors really didn't care about climate um there were very few i think all those few are investors in, in aglima um but um but you know it was challenge after challenge after challenge and i think um, the, you know, sometimes the hardest things in our upbringing are the sources of our superpowers as adults. And, um, and I think the challenges in my upbringing are what just gave me a lot of resilience and capacity to, you know, push through. Um, I'm so glad we did because we're here um, and really ready to, like you said, be a, in many ways at the starting line, right? Yeah. Um, of, of turning all of this into, into really big and meaningful change. Um, but we're here, I'm, I'm glad we, we ran that, that, that part of the marathon. Yeah, oh, I'm so glad. And I'm so glad that like, I feel very, <laughs> I hope you sleep better these days, just knowing that like that, that phase is over. And I think one of the things about it that I, I, I saw from my angle um, especially ha from having been an entrepreneur in that in that yeah. community myself for a little bit, is that um, it, it's not a question always in Silicon Valley of whether what you're doing adds value to human existence or to yeah. the planet. It's whether it can be sort of clearly monetized in some way, and whether it's going to, you know, utilize tech in a particular way, which yours does, and that's always been apparent. But like, yeah. I, I think 
I think that was what was so like hand wringing about watching Aklama for a while is that we knew the value that this brought to our our lives and to our society and and yet like we needed the (laughs) the financial engines to sort of figure out how to be like oh yeah why does air matter I don't know is that gonna like does that impact us somehow is there a way you know know. yeah it's just so great we're we're like I always say this and we're like fish in the ocean that don't know what water is right (laughs) we are it's just the something like when you have that awareness that like wait, you guys, we're talking about a few hundred feet of breathable air without which there is none of this, none of you, nothing. And everything that we are emitting into the atmosphere that's changing the climate, guess what? All of that goes back straight into our lungs, right? That, that app, it's been, it's so surreal, Lindsay, right? Um, and, uh, and so it's amazing to see that people are making those connections now, that the funding is here, that we as a movement, as an industry, you, you know, Lindsay, you, um, Kira, like our whole community has really been after years and years and years of, of struggle, we stand on the shoulders of giants as well, um, that, that there's been a real measurable shift. And, um, and one of the reasons I started Aklama was, you know, I think we're talking about the problem of the commons, right? It's air, it's climate. We all depend on it, but nobody owns it. So how do you monetize it? Um, and so figuring that out, figuring out a business model that scales, um, I feel like we had to solve every challenge. It wasn't just about the tech. It wasn't just about, you know, the 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 team. It was the business model, monetization. We had to engage in market making, which, you know, tech investors do not like. But now that we're here, um, all of those wins have really stacked in, I think, our collective favor. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm, huh, I'm thrilled we got here because I've, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing to work in this industry, right? On the one hand, staying really optimistic to be able to wake up every day and do the hard work. Um, and then on the other hand, watching, 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 watching things going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Davida, you have such an interesting perspective on the industry and all the sort of parts and movements around it. Um, I'm just wondering where you thought we would be in the 2020s. And maybe that's really asking where the progress areas are being have been and also the areas that there hasn't been as much progress if you care yeah. to comment on that yeah i think um i think the child you know when i look back and i think i think there were a couple of events that were surprising and unexpected for all of us right whether it was the pandemic or 2016 elections or you know or the focus of of it took silicon valley a long time to shift its focus back to, to climate and clean energy um i think you know, we definitely lost time. Uh, and, uh, and so that makes this moment that much more urgent, which, you know, I have a lot of compassion for all of my fellow leaders and players in this space, um, who suddenly have to go from breaking through barriers to now, okay, green light, go build, go scale, go deploy, not even build, deploy, right, at scale. So it's a, it's a big, I think we all have to be really sort of aware of what that shift demands of all of us, of of us, it's a lot. I think what's really exciting, and so no, so I did not expect, um, you know, I I had hoped things things would have, um, 
that more progress would have been made in the last 10 years. But I think what has happened um, is that there's companies like Acloma who've been and people and policymakers and leaders who've been pushing along, making things happen, and we are ready to scale. That's what's so exciting is that there are so many scalable solutions that are ready to push right now into the market. Um, and the other thing that I'm just incredibly excited about, and it is this weird sort of result of the pandemic and the economic downturn um, and everything that's happened over the last few years that has made us really aware of, of what matters um, is the amount of people coming into climate. I can't tell you how many applications and people I have reaching out to us um, about wanting to join. And um, I've that that is new. Uh, and it means that there's a real big awareness about what needs to happen. And that's, that's energy that we can really sort of channel um, in the direction of, of change. Um, that's been a really big transformation that should give us all hope. Yeah, that is beautiful. Um, and it does give me hope. And it is, yeah, I mean, right, that whole thing about people starting to find you. Um, yeah. yeah, that really tells us something. Um, yeah. Okay, well, we are uh, basically at the end of our time with you, Davida, and we have mm -hmm. this last question we like to ask everyone um, that we have on the on the pod. Um, so I'm excited from your perspective for you to answer this one. And it is, who are you inspired by these days? Um, I'm imagining you interact with a lot of really fascinating and cool people. So yeah. can't wait to hear what you yeah. have to say about this last one. Yeah, that, I think that's actually, you know, I think about the privilege of doing this work. It's just the amount of spectacular people that we, that we meet and that I meet. Um, I, you know, I'm inspired by the people that really, you know, I think in entrepreneurship, there's the sort of hero complex and the loud voices, the ones that are out at the front and on magazine covers get a lot of the attention. But I'm so inspired by the leaders that are really making things happen behind the scenes. One of my biggest inspirations is an incredible woman, woman uh, Jane Lubchenco. Uh, who was the former director of NOAA. She uh, was on my advisory board. She's currently in the White House at OSTP. But her leadership, the way she leads, the gravitas, the respect and uh, that she demands and her humanity um, and, uh, and, and, and her commitment to bringing up and lifting up women, um, she's, really, she's really had a huge influence on me personally. But there's so many incredible women like that um, that are making things happen. And a lot of those voices and those leaders don't get the attention um, of the, you know, entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley or other leaders that um, are out there. But it's those forces, those forces of nature that actually result in the change um, that we all benefit from. Um, I'm also really inspired by a lot of the younger women coming into climate tech entrepreneurship and really taking this very holistic view of the impacts of their technology. I've always been a huge advocate of diversity and women at the front um, because uh, there's just uh, there's there's just this more there's this really integrated view of how all of these problems intersect and how the solutions um, have to really serve um, not just the bottom line um, but really serve society. And so I'm I'm uh, I'm inspired by a lot of amazing women across across generations. 
Yeah, I love that. And it's also just such a reminder, um, right? That when we're doing this work and watching people come up uh, in, in it and creating space for more women and, and more people of color, it's just yeah. like, the, <laughs> yeah. that's, it's got to feel like good, positive momentum. So thank yes. you so much. Um, yes. And thank you so much for being with us today, Davida. It's been so wonderful to have you. I'm so glad that we got a little bit of your time. We know that you were doing crazy, amazing things and uh, you squeezed us in. So thank you. Um, It's been a pleasure to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you, Kira. And Lindsay, I have to say it's, you know, these full circle circle moments that I live for and that make life so rich. It's just so um, amazing to remember those first uh, meetings that we had where you saw some of our earliest prototypes and to be here connecting with you after, you know, this phase of the journey is pretty pretty beautiful. Thank you, Lindsay. It is. It is. Yeah, it is really beautiful. I love that. And, and it's just... Um... Yeah, I mean, I've just been such a fan of what you all were doing and felt very lucky to be one of the first people to get to kind of look at the data and play around with it um, all those years ago. And just, um, yeah, we'll continue to be supporting everything you all are doing. So thank you. And uh, thanks, Kira. Thank you, Kira. It was great. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, Davida, to hear all about this. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for being with us this week on the Design the Future podcast. For Thanks for listening. Please leave us a review on Apple. It really matters and it helps people find us. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.